0: Red light on. Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets the bottom of every pint.
1: I'm John Hall. And I'm Andy Crouch. And we're at Jack's Abbey in Framingham, Massachusetts with a panel. We have a panel of brewers to talk about the state of beer in the Commonwealth and so much more. We'll introduce our guests in a moment, but first... Please visit allaboutbeer.com for original articles, reviews, news, insight, and podcasts. You can listen to shows like Beer Travelers, Brewer to Brewer, and the All About Beer podcast simply by searching All About Beer where you listen to your shows. This show and all the work we do is supported by you, our dear listeners. You can visit patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to help keep the content fresh. A few bucks goes a long way to fund writers, photographers, creators, and editors. And if you'd like to learn more about advertising on the show, please email info at allbotbeer.com.
0: And speaking of that, we're going to pause here for a quick word from this episode's sponsors. If you plan on being in Colorado in a few weeks for the Great American Beer Festival, you also need to check out the Denver Rare Beer Tasting. It's going to happen on Friday, September 22nd, and it's bringing together 64 of America's best craft breweries, all for a great cause, the Pints for Prostates campaign. The beer list is incredible. It's packed with rare, exotic, and vintage beers you won't find anywhere else. These are legendary beers the brewers hold back just for the Denver Rare Beer Tasting. It's a bucket list event for both beer fans and for brewers. And you can get a look at the beer list and find more information, including tickets, at pintsforprostates.org. All-inclusive tickets are just 200 bucks and include unlimited beer samples, a great buffet lunch, t-shirt, tasting glass, and a program. Importantly, the money raised goes to the fight against prostate cancer, and it also includes a free health screening before the event. It's a simple blood test that checks for common health issues that might just save your life. That's the Denver rare beer tasting, drinking beer and saving lives. As mentioned, we're here in the beer hall of Jack's Abbey in Framingham, Massachusetts. We're joined by three brewing professionals with varied responsibilities and resumes. Sam Hendler is co founder of Jack's Abbey Craft Loggers, managing the sales, marketing, and. Ho- am I stepping on your lines right now?
1: Oh, you definitely are my friend. Why don't you do you it? You are. Why don't you Yeah, I'm going to tell you a little bit about <laughs> Sam right now, I, and then you're going to talk used, to us about I'm
0: not used to having a co host. Okay, show, well, guess what?
1: In. Share the stage, friend. <laughs> okay. Um, Sam does not have much of a resume to speak of, but like, we'll try to do our best for him. He is a real, I mean, a weight on this whole place, but like, we'll do our best. Um, in addition to his responsibilities at the brewery, Sam is apparently an active board member of the Mass Brewers Guild, the state's trade association. That's the Commonwealth's trade association. You- He sent this. Adam sent this. You New Jersey interloper. Um, Adam sent
0: this. I did not. I know this this is about Sam,
1: not about not. Okay. Anyways, back to work. Um, So, in his former role as president, Sam negotiated a national precedent-setting deal between the Massachusetts Brewers Guild and the Mass Beer Wholesalers Association on franchise law reform, which was signed into law in January of 2021, finding a solution to a highly contentious issue that had been debated to a stalemate in the state house since 2008. And I'm sure that was the end of the story. Nothing else happened after that. (laughs) Adam Romanow. Everybody lived happily ever after.
0: Adam Romanow is the founder and CEO of Castle Island Brewing Company. As the company's CEO, Adam has oversight and responsibility for business strategy, brand philosophy, and sales and marketing. He is also the president of the Massachusetts Brewers Guild, the state trade organization dedicated to promoting and protecting craft beer in the Commonwealth.
1: Nailed it.
0: A lifelong resident of the Boston area, Adam's background includes Time in management consulting, strategic market research, production brewing, sales and marketing for the beer industry. He is also an experienced home brewer, an avid cook, a lover of the outdoors, a musician, a huge Red Sox fan, and Patriots fan. <sighs> it's weird for me but to yeah, say. Yeah, we couldn't say
1: Celtics because... I, I know. I yeah, know CELTS yeah, Celts and belong the Celt- to Jack's and Abbey. The Celtics. That's Jack's Abbey stuff, so we could not talk <laughs> about it. So.
0: And Jennifer Glanville-Love is a Samuel Adams brewer and director of partnerships at the Boston Beer Company. Since joining the Samuel Adams Boston Brewery in 2001, Jennifer has played an integral role in research and development of experimental Sam Adams brews and honed her craft on the renowned Dillman's Brewing Academy in Germany. She is passionate about brewing traditional and lost beer styles, we're gonna talk about this, as well as barrel-aging unique and extreme beers such as Samuel Adams Utopias yeah. and Cosmic Mother Funk, which deserves a much larger applause, KMF. For her innovation, uh, innovative contributions to the brewing industry, she has been recognized by Fast Company as a most creative people in business. A most creative people, not person, but people. It's 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 the plural. As director of partnerships, she oversees Samuel Adams' uh, priority philanthropy program, the Brewing the American Dream. Its affiliates, its participating businesses, while fostering meaningful relationships with the Brewers Association and other industry partners, committed to maintaining the integrity and future of craft. Jennifer is dedicated to growing the network of Brewing the American Dream entrepreneurs and supporting them as they impact the community where they live and work. Welcome to you all. Andy looks like he wants to jump in. With oh, no, that, and more. that's
1: our show, everybody. That's it. It's been 45 <laughs> minutes of intros, but... Uh...
0: I had this whole question planned out where I was gonna ask Jennifer a little bit about how uh, everybody felt in Jamaica Plain when another lager brewery opened up here in the Commonwealth. Uh, but I wanna start off, though, by asking Sam, what is the Babymaker?
2: <laughs> oh, geez. Babymaker is a, I believe it was 13 and a half percent ABV. Uh, <laughs> barley wine lager. Of sorts. Uh, that was um, barley wine it, lager. It, it was conditioned you, you for guys, nine months. You guys months.
0: stuck to the theme.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we sure did. Conditioned for nine months in barrels, um, and uh, yeah, it, we did a little thing there, um, and <laughs> then you know, birthed into the world. Um, <laughs> Uh, to celebrate the the birth of Jack's first uh, child, so that's, that's okay. nine years ago now. My goodness! Yeah. What a nice.
0: As a brother, are you tired of Jack getting all of the attention? <laughs>
2: uh, as long as he gets all the blame, I'm good with it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Andy, feel free to jump in at any time. This is this is you know your your show as well. Um, Jennifer, in your bio, you talk about community and community building, and when you go back to 84 um, and Sam Adams and Boston Beer coming into the state and and starting in the state um, and then building from there and and being synonymous with with, with Massachusetts, where do you feel the community is today?
3: Um, from our community or in general the beer community? I mean, I think the beer in, community. Yeah. I think in general the beer community um, through a variety of things over the last 20 years um, is more connected than ever. Um, there's opportunities. We know um, people want to still visit breweries. They want to visit tap rooms, right? So we're we're connecting in that way. You asked about how we feel about another lager brewer. Yeah. There aren't enough lager brewers, so bring them on. We want as many as possible, right, because we love Ooh. making lagers Ooh. ourselves too. So um, I think it's more... I think it's spread more. I think people are connecting more. Um, tap rooms like this, tables like that, bring people together more. Um, so I think even though craft, um, you know, isn't seeing that double-digit growth or yeah. even even high growth, um, is that the, important? I don't. I don't know that it is. I think you know, drinkers want to. The drinker today is drinking all kinds of products, not just beer. Before you could talk about different, you know, you might have this person who would drink beer and this person would drink wine, this person would drink this. But I think today the drinker is drinking all kinds of things. And I think you have to um, recognize that. But that brings everyone together at the same table to have conversations around that. And that's what keeps beer going.
0: Yeah. Adam, I want to jump to you because as director of the guild, uh, president of the guild, head of the guild, um, Massachusetts, and Andy knows better than anybody because he wrote a book about it
1: um yeah about 18 years ago so i'm I'm sure there were a hundred breweries in new england at that point and now i think there's 150 in massachusetts alone but 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 the even more than that but
0: the fact that 18 years ago you could write a book about new england shows just where this region was going where the commonwealth was going um where is it now uh for the members like what 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 kind of breweries comprise the membership
4: and what's driving growth? So compared to when Andy's book came out, which <laughs> I'm sorry to say, I haven't read.
1: Um, well, I mean, you were also like three. So there's,
4: <laughs> it's true here at the ripe age of 21. Yes. Um,
1: You have achieved a lot.
4: Yeah, well, you know, accomplishments, (laughs) right? Um, The the scene today looks wildly different, quite honestly, even than it did eight years ago when I started Castle Island. Um, We were brewery number 138 in the state. There are over 220 today. Um, Somehow in those eight years, we've cracked the top 15 by volume, but we still feel impossibly small. And the other... 200 five-ish that are smaller than us are anywhere from a little bit smaller to a crazy amount smaller. Um, And on top of all of that, we've gone from having really two big breweries in the state, Boston Beer being one of them, Harpoon being the other, to now having what Sam probably 10, 12 other breweries that rank pretty highly on a national scale. Um, Not top 50, but certainly top 100. You're not in top 100, Jennifer. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. (laughs) all right sorry Uh, yeah I mean I I I really think a lot of it is is consumer driven beer in Massachusetts has gotten more and more local um, over the last you know my exposure in the state at least as a consumer goes on better part of 20 years but local when Castle Island was started was hey you're brewed in Massachusetts and two years into that it was hey you're brewed in Eastern Massachusetts and two years after that it was hey you're brewed 20 miles away and today local is like you're brewed within five miles or less um, and the definition has just changed dramatically, and what that means for brewery size is there are a lot of smaller breweries that are, for all intents and purposes, operating more like coffee shops because they serve a really tightly knit community, yeah. and, and that's it. And, and honestly, I think it's a great thing because it, it puts more quality beer in front of more consumers and helps further the mission that we're all out here striving to make.
3: Yeah, can I jump in? Yeah, please. So, with our Brewing the American Dream program, which we're in our 15th year, I'm really excited to say we just hit $100 million loaned in that 15 years to food and beverage and breweries entrepreneurs all around the country, which is incredible. Um, But that's what we see. The majority of the breweries in our program are very small, Um, and you know, just in the work with the BA, knowing that it's not just in Massachusetts, you, you have the majority are very small, and there's a few really large, and there's very few in that middle area, and these very small breweries need visibility they need and, that, and that's a lot of the program we do it's a lot of that mentoring that we give but it's that visibility that we can that we can help bring and i think that's what's so exciting is people now almost i forget what the number was and not just in massachusetts but there's so many people who have a brewery within like three or four miles of their where they live yeah. you know in, in areas and i think that's exciting because it is pe- keeping people interested in beer yeah.
1: <laughs> sam uh, i believe jacks abbey opened in 2011 is that correct and at that time, you had your launch event at Cambridge Common. Uh, I went to that event and I listened to your brother, who I had met previously when he was brewing at Boston Beer Works, where he complained about the quality of his beer. And then he worked. He, then he opened Jack's Abbey and he complained about the quality of his beer. He's never happy. He's always trying to push it forward. But I also met you it's that Jack's day, fault. and uh, and he and, and Sam just said, like, how old were you when uh, Jack's Abbey opened in 2011?
2: Uh, yeah, I was 21.
1: And I met you at 21, and unlike Adam, who was also 21 uh, at the time... Right now. You, yeah. Yeah, Adam's um, 21 right now. You literally were wide-eyed, and I remember talking to you, and you're just like, I literally, I don't know if we bleep these things or not, but he's no, like... we don't. I literally have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. I think was what you told me. And then you went on to become one of the leaders in the Commonwealth in, in, in craft beer and brewing. And have recently, in the last couple of years, I was very proud to be uh, you know, at the Craft Brewers Conference when we were seeing you awarded a national award for, for helping to defend craft beer in, this, in, in the Commonwealth and, and beyond. You went from a wide-eyed 21-year-old with absolutely no in no background whatsoever in in craft beer like how has that journey been for you do you feel jaded now do you feel broken down by the system that we're in or are you and and obviously we're at a point where we see not, you know, not a lot of growth going on right now. You've seen ups and downs. You've been through pandemics. You have children who are escaping from their beds. Like, you know, all of these things. What is, you know, how are you, how are you today? Like, how are you, how are you feeling both mentally and about, and about where, the, where things, are. hey, you let me co-host the show. It's your fault. Yeah,
2: it's like, are we I'll, about to have a therapy session? We, we are, yeah. we are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been a wild ride. It's, uh, I... I'm a 90s kid, so, uh, you know, yeah, I was 21 when the brewery opened. Um, I at this point have only worked for this company and uh, the company I grew up in that my dad, my grandfather started and dad and uncle ran when I was growing up. Um, So you know, I don't know any better as to how business should be operated just. How the handlers operate a business, which I'm sure has a lot of positives and negatives, um, but yeah, like a lot of it has been joyful. A lot of it has been really hard. I mean, it, it's hard to talk about the last three and a half years without pointing out that parts of it were miserable, and um, I mean, anxiety was through the roof, and we were. Working in person in an environment where most of the people here their friends just got to work from home and we were um, You know, we saw about three-quarters of our business shut down one night in uh, March of 2020 Um, and We had to figure out how to survive that um, and that was a dynamic that we never were faced with right it was like how fast are we gonna grow was the main question in the first nine years or so of our existence. And then all of a sudden that flipped to how are we gonna survive to next month? Um, So yeah, I I feel like we have seen a lot. I think we are entering a different phase of the craft beer industry that, um, you know, there's, there's a certain galvanizing force around that experience of March 2020. Like, the world, the rug has been pulled out from under us and we're all gonna band together to uh, to figure out a way to survive. That's a very unifying message. I think from where I stand right now, like, you know, we're, we're talking about our budget for 2024 and we're probably gonna budget like a, growth or 2% growth for next year? How do I motivate a team and get everybody psyched to go crush 1% and work hard for 1% and be proud of 1% and be like, it's a very different phase and it's something that I'm I'm grappling with myself. How do I be excited about going and hitting 1% growth for next year? Um, that, I think, in this environment would be a heck of an accomplishment, and um, I don't know. It's, it's definitely a very different phase that we're going into, one that I I don't necessarily feel prepared for, but I, I am kind of excited to, to learn how to manage a business through a period that's going to be choppy and not not necessarily existential the way March 2020 was, which was a easy unifying message to put out there, but more like, shoot, how do we thrive in an environment that's just kind of challenging and overall flat for the industry?
1: And we have seen the Jacks Abbey business change quite a bit over the years and it's iterated and like obviously during the good times, you know, there was money to spend on trying new things and and one of the things was Springdale, which we, you know, as we were driving in, we realized the other side of this building that we're in, in the Jack Sabby Beer Hall, was sort of the, you know, the Springdale facility. And for those who don't know, that was the name of the original Hendler family, Hendler family business and from their original location, yeah, just down the street here in Framingham um but you have gone this company has gone all in on loggers and you see the word logger you know it warms my heart in on hoodies and hats and and every glass in the in this space basically uh, as a craft logger but springdale did try to do some hazies for a while and and some sour beers and some low alcohol beers and some other things for for some time how, you know, we have been for years and years and years been talking and heralding. It, this is the year of the logger. This is the year of the logger. <laughs> Why has you know? And and, and frankly, I've been doing yeah. that for is you know basically since uh, Adam was uh, three years old, um, who's now, now
0: just, making award-winning hazies and yeah, and, yeah but which we'll so, talk about. Like this must 21. this must be weird for you being up here right, it, it, around it, all the logger people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: But for for Sam, like, I understand that lager is, has always been a long passion of Jack's, but you know, how have you guys decided to make that the big focus of this company, and obviously it has been for, for a long time, but really now doubled down on, on lager beer? And how do you see the future of that going for for both yourself and, as we're seeing, a lot of Pilsners and a lot of Dunkles and a lot of Czech-style dark, dark lagers out in a lot of the brews that Adam's talking about through the community?
2: Yeah. I. I it is funny. I think this is the seventh year in a row that we've gotten those media inquiries about is this the year of the logger, uh, the craft logger, um, and you know, to a certain extent, I think we are seeing more excitement around logger than ever before. Um, I I would still mention like if, if you do look at the data, uh, it's hard to make. A super strong case about year of the logger. Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ, Sam!
1: I set you up. You just have to say it's the year of the logger,
3: Sam. If, if, Wait, if Jennifer, Jax
1: won't say it's the year of the logger, it is never going to be the year of the logger.
0: Jennifer, is this the year of the logger?
3: I say that every year to our marketing team. There you go. See, Jennifer, okay. but I also love Jennifer the got year, the
1: email. Jennifer
0: early on talked about all kinds of products and everything. So. There's obviously seltzers, and there's there's ciders, and there's teas. Um, there was a long drink for a minute. Um, there's been some other things. I mean, when I think of Sam Adams, I think of Boston lager. Is, is it still the way that I imagine it being, just the stalwart just kind of chugging along, it, it pushing through the fog? It is chugging along.
3: Um, yeah. And one thing we found over the past couple of years that people wanted to go for uh, beer beers or beer styles that they knew and trusted, especially if they're going in and out of the store very quickly. So while there's been declines and, and slight increases, actually Boston Lager has been pretty steady for us. Okay. Um, and that's to me remastered. that's a good sign. They're remastered. remastered. Yep, but also just in general, I think okay. it's just something that it's a classic that people know. I, I have found in our tap rooms, you know, I was really excited twenty years ago when people were like oh an ale or lager and that you didn't have to educate them they were actually learning about it and you're like this ale is so lager. exciting as a brewery you're like yeah they get it nobody talks about that anymore that comes into the tap room they either know and they just know what they want or they'll say I have a pilsner like oh we have other lagers and they might be like oh I don't, I don't really like lagers I'm just going to have the pilsner so I'm like well great they're still going to have a pilsner we're good but like, so I think have you a, read Andy's
1: book? Yeah. hey god bless that's uh, uh, yeah. fine uh, nobody <laughs> new, needs new to drink lager just drink, drink pilsner <laughs> It's fine
4: just just not to kiss ass here for a second, but... <laughs> oh, no, you, <laughs> if, no but go but ahead. But well, I'm going to do it anyway. We, go for yeah. it. We've been <laughs> drinking. If you, if you want a transcendent experience, yeah. try Boston Lager on Side Pole Faucet. Yeah. I had it at their JP Brewery a few weeks ago for an event that I was at. Uh-huh. It was the most incredible and different yet familiar Boston Lager I've ever had. It was amazing. So a product that's that legendary still has new tricks. It's really cool.
0: Can... Can I ask you, though, so the trust that you talk about. Adam, you're making Hazy Pails and the New England style and winning awards for it, as I pointed out, uh, and, and really sort of making a name for your brewery through that style. My complaint about not your beer, but
1: that overall
3: style. <laughs> well, we're going there. Whoa. <laughs>
1: Hey, because I'm about to jump on the table and fight you, because I would also say Castle Island is one of my favorite breweries in the Boston area. Besides the fact that, hey, no, quiet down, New Jersey. I'm going to talk to you about Massachusetts. Oh, yeah, please. uh, Yeah, I'm sure you'll love this. His, the space there is eclectic. It's beautiful in South Boston. Uh, you can take issue with the fact that it's a, castle, a brewery is called Castle Island, and it basically is in Norwood. That's a whole other story. There's a background to it. But he's finally found his way back home. I love
0: that all of the Commonwealth residents are laughing, and I'm like, I
1: don't yeah, know. She's like, like, know yeah. But it's like, he's found his way back home to a place that has some familial history for sure. him. and. I got If you have not been to the Castle Island brewery in, I haven't
0: because you haven't brought me I
1: will take you there my friend and they're they're doing incredible sour beer incredible fruit flavor beer like they're they're just doing some really eclectic stuff there that I think is beyond the you know the traditional lineup that they they put out so I think that you have undersold them and you owe Adam an apology is what I'm saying
0: I I didn't get to
1: finish my question and this is why <laughs> This
0: is why I host the show alone. Uh, Normally. It's your fault. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm going to own that right now. Lesson learned. Um, But you talk about trust, and the issue that I've had with a lot of the New England style IPAs has been they're kind of one note. Or it's a brewer that says, okay, I'm going to do it because it's a popular style. How dare you?
1: How dare you, sir? There is no one who's ever said that New England IPAs are one note. They use the same three hops in different order. You see it on the menu. They change the names. Come on, sir.
0: All right, you've redeemed yourself. How do you build trust for (laughs) a New England-style IPA that is worthy of a glass, that is worthy of folks putting down their hard-earned money for a four-pack, when you're in an arena where there's a lot of mediocrity that exists in the beer space right now in that common denominator beer? Like what, what have you guys put in to earn that trust and what can other breweries or should other breweries be learning? from what you all are doing because i i know what jennifer's brewery is doing i know what sam's brewery is doing in the lager space like if you're not ready to show up for your lager game it's pretty obvious early on and like just get the hell out but new england ipa hazy ipa it's it's a little bit different
4: yeah i mean i could sit here and See,
0: see where i went with that andy yeah
4: I, I, fell I could it's sit fine. here and talk to you about yeah. quality. Um, about three hops in different about orders. Three hops yeah. in different <laughs> orders and different amounts. Uh, and, and, and yeah, quality's important. There's a lot of quality hazy IPAs out there. There are unfortunately a lot of hazy IPAs that don't quite meet the quality mark. But something that we've always focused on, not just for our hazy or New England style IPAs, but really for all of our beers and even our portfolio. Because as Andy points out, we do some sours. We even do some lagers. We do some stouts. Yep. We, we kind of don't pigeonhole ourselves really in any one style. But something that we do throughout all of our beers, we focus on balance. We focus on drinkability, repeatability. I'm not going to use the word sessionability because that implies a low alcohol content. But something that you can just drink. Something that is a go-to. Something that you're not going to have one to be like, hey, that was really cool. Now I'm going to drink something I can actually drink right um because I, 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 I got my badge yeah. yeah like we're if you're a ticker we're not the brewery for you um we focus on beers where we're like hey this is my beer this is what i drink it's always in my fridge if you're not a hazy ipa guy if you're a, a west coast ipa drinker we've got that if you like new england ipas we got that too but these are your go-to beers it's not wow that was really crazy i'm on to the next one that's just that's not us because for me, trust is that long relationship with a customer. And it's really about earning their, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I guess. Authenticity. Their authenticity, their affinity. But it, it's. It, I've been we're talking not, a lot about brewing with intent.
0: Brew. Yeah.
4: I think, I think intentional brewing, unfortunately these days, is a little bit harder to find. Um,
1: I also think that you're selling yourself short. I think you guys are a ticker brewery. Not like by total design, that's not what your essence is, but I think when I come into your space and you have, you often have a, like a, a, um, like a jalapeno beer or a spiced beer, something that is like a little bit, that is heat, that is flavor, I think I, whenever I'm in there, I find something that engages my palate in new ways that I have not experienced and I've been around this game a little while. And you, I think you guys are doing, years, doing fantastic yeah. stuff, which I will then transition me into a question for Jennifer. One of the best beers I've had in the last year was a beer that I helped award a GABF medal to. Um, was my first time judging a GABF this year. It was it was a really interesting experience in a terrible hot warehouse in, uh, just uh, just outside of Denver. And we were stuck there for days, like we were platooned on some terrible island um, <laughs> with a bunch of old white men. But um, the Pina Colada IPA was absolutely is not my style. I absolutely hate everything about the generalized Who said style. Boo? Oh no, whoever you did, get out get out of this logger house.
2: Jamie uh,
1: it was one of the best beers I've had in the past year, and it was fantastic. Like, it's such an engaging, interesting beer, and it just shows, like, you know, Sam Adams' is, you know, Boston Beer has been at this a very long time, uh, and they do a whole lot of different things, and, you know, obviously the, with the remastered lager, but it still shows that the innovation is there, and it was nothing that was made with coconut or nothing that was necessarily made with pineapple. They didn't throw fruit into it, but that beer... Was beautiful and expressive, and really felt like I should be sitting on an island in a way that I, I could drink and I I'd drink it whenever. And so while Adam was drinking beautiful side pour lagers at that event, I was also there and I just sat myself aside with a beautiful hazy pint of that pina colada IPA and I loved it. What,
0: what, what was, was the, the What was the question?
1: Uh, got, can you make can, question, you ma- can you make more and send it to my house?
3: I got the question. Okay, you need a question. Well, I have to tell you, so we, were, we were walking up because we had won gold for just the haze. This is a really exciting year for us at the Beer Festival for our non-alcoholic. And Wade and I were walking up, and all of a sudden they announced that. And he goes, holy shit. And I go, dude. Because they didn't know that I had entered that beer. But I was like, this is such a great beer. And I will tell you, when I started 21 years ago... I remember asking, and I was fresh out of brewing school, like, well, I don't understand why don't we bring in more yeast strains? And Jim's yeah. like, we're not ready for that yet. Like, so we would make a white ale with herbs and spices to replicate yeah. flavors, right? So that's that's the creative piece we love doing. Um, so I think I love that you you brought that up because that beer now we've made it several times because people ask about it all the time, and it was kind of a beer where we're like, hey, let's just experiment. It's a little bit you know out there, but in terms of flavor and pina colada. Um, but you know when you see in the tap rooms like you're talking about, we you want to have a v- wide variety and. Low, it's either low elk, lower elk, higher, really higher elk, yep. or you have that, it has to have some interesting ingredient or, or catch like that. And that's what people are interested today. And I think that's really cool.
1: And we see so many of those beers that are overly sweet, cloying, or just a mess. And they've thrown sugar and donuts and whatever other crap into it. This was a beer that, to my understanding, talking with Megan Parisi, the head brewer at the downtown location, that's not how this was designed, and so it was designed very traditionally. Despite you know being a pina colada, yeah, yeah you you're down there, you're like, it's, I say, "Hey, yeah. I am someone who is the a name. traditionalist <laughs> to my core, I'm right tell you, ball. yes, yeah. hey, hey, pina colada IPA, tradition now."
3: <laughs> okay, we call it vacate. We call it vacation Jimmy IPA Buffet, because Broom Broom we were master. calling it pina colada. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants the pina colada. We called it vacation IPA. I'm loving it. But yeah, but that 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 kind of works.
0: Um, yeah. You brought up N.A. Um, I, was try- I, I, I had like four different ways that I could go, but I want to I sort of touch on N.A. because just the haze from you guys surprised me. And I wrote about this in Wine Enthusiast where Sam Adams for a very, very long time did not excel at hops. Like when I think about the IPAs, I think of Rebel and I think of some of the others that you put out over the years. And it's like, ah. It's. Shots fired. I'm not
3: wrong. Right next to me, Can't I'm
0: miss not me. wrong. Uh, I've written about it. I'm not going to hide behind it. So when I had the just the haze from Sam Adams as an NA, and rated it very high because it's it's a lot of fun to drink and it hits those notes. Um, where does NA? Fit in to your larger portfolio, and then Sam, I want to go to you. Yes, because you guys had that two percent, three percent beer project uh, back in the day that was delightful. Um, 100%. That I would wish to go back, and then Adam, for your size, so we're gonna go one, two, three. Yes, Adam, Adam, why
1: aren't you doing this? Right, like, yeah, we're gonna ask or, you, or,
0: or, or, 21, or, <laughs> or
1: you'll get or, there, son.
0: Adam, I, I, I Adam, the question will be to you, like, you know where does it fit in, in your, for a brewery of your size? But where do you see it for a brewery of yeah. your size, Jennifer?
3: I mean, when we see folks and, and the people that are coming, the 21-year-olds of the, of the world oh, are sure. coming in. They're, they're actually, all just
0: like, give me your utopias. I'm going to do lives. a do. barrel do. stand. <laughs> that yeah. was maybe
3: us when we were 21. Yeah. But now, um, they, they want to drink um, lower alcohol and non out. So it's become more important than we thought it would. Um, you know, it was for us. It was a great R and D project. How do we make something that doesn't taste like it's a non elk? Last year at the at the JBF, I had these chalkboards. We were writing the name, and I couldn't fit non elk on the bottom, so I was like, ah, whatever. And people started coming up and tasting it, and oh, then hate. they're like, oh wait, so where do I get this? And we're like, well, it's non elk, and they're like, really? And that was actually a really cool experience. Were they for me. going up
0: to Bob Peas and asking for their money back <laughs> like I don't understand that. It came to the Great American Beer Festival. Well, I was Beer like, we should Festival. bring it because yeah.
3: some people would want to try it so it was actually a cool experiment no, i didn't great, know yeah. i was doing um and I, I think it's become a larger part of our of our what we're focused on um we just released gold rush um which is a, a golden um ale that's not out too so i definitely see the drinker interested um yeah. i asked you know i working with the ba like what are you seeing for for numbers it's too early to tell because it's just really become um in the last year and a half something that's more breweries are making it, they're tracking now, like what are the, we can tell from our But there's
0: also companies that are not falling into the BA definition of brewers that are
2: making it as well. Yeah,
3: that is correct. Um, But it's definitely become something we're focused on. I think it's really fun to make a beer for people who don't want to drink alcohol that tastes like a real beer.
1: And I'll I'll continue along with the lines of what John was talking about. Sam, the, you know, both John and I got to enjoy, and I'm not sure that the 2% project, which I think is what it was called. Was um, it called the
0: 2% project?
1: I think it was the 2% yeah. project. Made it out to market or got too far afield, but I remember having some of those. And this is where, I mean, as I've gotten older, I've been in this business for a while. Like I drink, I've drank, i drank lager for a long time. I love, I live in the basically 5% and under, 4% and under category. And that is what I will focus on in a menu. I'm kind of the opposite of a lot of drinkers who are looking for bang for your buck, 8 9%, and, and are happy in the double IPA category. For me, it's the lower alcohol stuff. So if you can manage flavor at those lower alcohol levels, I think that is the pinnacle of brewing prowess. Like if you're able to to achieve that, it's great and i know that your brother was interested in that for a while um i don't know if there's a market for it or not and i know am not sure if it it's aware in the lineup but can you talk a little bit about your experience with that and whether jack's is looking at maybe getting into na or doing na stuff you're like or oh, no, i'm not gonna tell you, you know, we'll yeah.
0: see yeah it's after the baby maker comes the two <laughs> percent see the, the,
1: you know find find you a guy who can do both things
2: like yeah Yeah, 2% was a really fun project. It was, oh, excuse me. That's fine. (laughs) Um, How do we get I have been
0: motioning at Andy for the entire show to be like, hey, just have Sam just just turn the mic.
2: Yeah. There we go. Um, Beautiful,
0: lovely.
2: Yeah, it was how much flavor can we pack into a really low ABV final product? And we had some really wonderful beer come through that project. what we never found was a commercial fit for it. It it never sold particularly well, uh, basically to say. So you're, say, you're
1: saying there was not a massive line out the door waiting for beer nerds ready to trade two percent alcohol, like that like brown ale?
2: That line no. did not come to fruition. I'm shocked um, at that. Weird. I'm shocked. Weird. I you know, for us it was the, the question was is this kind of a tweener that's not fully meeting any of the consumers needs it's not na but it's also not going to give you much of a buzz no matter how much of it you drink um, so we we ended up unwinding that i i do think na is really interesting um we've been working with uh we've been piloting uh different na projects um for us there. A part of it is, we're Jack's Abbey Craft Loggers. We want to deliver on wonderful lagers. Um, the techniques that can make wonderful lager NA beer are um, a challenge. We We really like fermentation. We want that fermentation profile in our beer. Um, and when we were using different yeast strains that would kind of arrest fermentation or uh, give us a very, very low alcohol content under half a percent, it was coming along with other, other flavor profiles that we didn't feel like met the lager profile. Um, so I guess it's, it's something that still fascinates us that we're very, very interested in um, and just haven't quite found the right fit in our portfolio for it with the way we want to make beer.
0: All right, so Adam, take the mic, because I'm curious from your brewery perspective where NA fits into your portfolio.
4: Yeah, so um, like Sam said, I, I find the category very interesting, but we have not really internally found much of a passion for it. Yeah. Um and that's not to say because you're only 21. Because we're only 21, and we're just getting started, <laughs> baby. <laughs> yeah. um, he's all about the just nine. Just
0: started drinking. You're like, why are you taking
4: <laughs> alcohol away he's, from we're, me? We're he's newly like, legal. Yeah. We haven't found the boundaries How yet. How weird is Hold yeah. yeah. on, I just, heard about, he just heard about. He just heard about baby these maker. He's all. He's yeah. all in. Um, I, I think for us, part of the challenge is at our scale. The technology required to actually produce an N.A. beer that still has flavor, still has aroma, still has, as I like to talk about, a little bit of love and a little bit of soul is is kind of out of reach. Um, It's incredibly expensive. It's incredibly labor intensive. It takes up a lot of space. If it's not going to be commercially successful, it doesn't make a lot of financial sense. But the real the real stopgate for us has just been it's not something we're super charged up about. Yeah, Um, we do a fair amount of contract brewing and we actually get a lot of inquiries. So I can tell you without a doubt that there is a lot of interest from breweries our size and even smaller in NA beer, but I don't think anyone's really found the commercial success path for it yet. I think they're watching the athletics of the world and they're watching the just the hazes of the world and saying, oh, that's cool. I want to do that too. But at our size smaller and even for some breweries that are larger than us, it just still doesn't make sense yet.
0: Is just the haze, has that broken into something that you all see a future in? Maybe?
3: Yes, well, we're, we're making it. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. no, I. It, yeah. it, it, it does. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. You know, it's... There's um, four
0: guys in Schenectady. I I will
3: say. (laughs) Four guys. You know, we... Well, what's really cool is we see it at a lot of our um, friendly brewer's tap rooms because they don't have an on-elk, so they're serving just the haze, which is great because they'll they'll give us feedback, too. Like, oh, my God, you know, this is what we're hearing. This is great. So we like that feedback as well. But um, in our... Both Boston tap rooms that we have, the one at the brewery and the one in Faneuil Hall, it's in the top 25 all the time of of sold beers out of... So let's just say uh, from Q1 and Q2, if we had... 200 different beers on draft. It was, um, like, 27. I, I actually looked it up last week. So All right. it was number 27. So that just shows that people are drinking it. It could be curiosity, um, you know, I, but it, people are interested. And I, I, we're seeing that just as a trend. I would agree, like, when we're coaching brewers in our program, you know, that's not, I wouldn't make that, like, a, th- a focus. I think if the business isn't quite there yet, That yeah. I would take away from other things that you're trying to do in, in the business.
0: Where's cherry wheat these days?
3: That needs more love, too. Cherry wheat is still around. (laughs) Um, It's it's, it? Yeah, it's still around. Number three,
1: (laughs) hugely popular. (laughs)
0: Oh, Fezziwig. Old Fezziwig,
3: old I know. Old, well, you right. know what, though? Yeah. Wait, right. like a lot of beer styles, everybody always says, like, you should make this. It should be individual, it should be in a six pack.
0: I,
1: I well, then buy I have it. Because if you did, hey. pass,
3: it would be in a six pack. You guys never if we, if do.
1: If we're doing this, we're going to do this. Where's my double bock? <laughs> that's it. Oh, uh, uh, well, my already, double bock.
3: Dude, double bock. <laughs> yeah. Double bock needs to come back. That, that is one of my favorite beers we've ever made Has Fezziwig ever been in the standalone six pack? Yeah, that's how it started and when? then it and then we discontinued it and then be, people well before, before adam was
1: born they sold literally sixes and tens of it, that now
3: we brew it at, um at the brewery in boston just we started brewing it for ourselves right drink, and then we were like oh we'll serve it at our holiday party and then people would be on tour like is that old Fezzi week and so we do have it on draft at our yeah locations and i want to say, the say the that when andy
0: and i started our thing i wrote a thing about you guys not putting it in the variety pack and being mad. Oh, the people it. were saying no. He that. was he was yeah. sh- he was PR rip shit about it. And was calling me and being like, I think you should be a little bit nicer. And I was like, I think you guys yeah. should have put Fezzi Wick the in the one. pack.
1: And we and we literally got no one responded to right. that. Yeah, nobody it's, had that. Does opinion.
0: that happen? There was <laughs> yeah. two page views, and it was me and Andy. Yeah, we basically. It was pretty great. All right, he, but seasonality, seasonality. We're in Oktoberfest season, and Jack's Abby, as as best I can tell, you all have three fest beers out right now.
1: Super, super popular style.
0: Sam Adams has had theirs out since February. Uh, yes, it's a,
1: it's basically
3: it just never stops. It it, no, it is a
1: year-round beer. It is replaced pumpkin.
3: Beer. Uh, no, but Jennifer, I, I, and then I'll jump to Sam. Wait, I like that we get blamed for the seasonal <laughs> creep all the time. It's
0: like... 100%. That was okay. all Diamandis back in the day.
1: I like, feel like I, I literally... True. I think yeah. I saw like a like a photo of Ryan Reynolds recently coming out of like a Costco with a Sam Adams like uh, Oktoberfest pack. And I was like, guess what? Nailed yeah, it. Guess what? Nailed
0: Oktoberfest season.
1: Yeah. It is. Welcome to I
0: mean, Oktoberfest. People are buying it,
3: so I... I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um... How much do seasonals still play a big role in the beer side of things that you all are doing?
3: It's it's huge right now. Okay, Um, seasonals. um, I mean, we've had and we've had more than we've had our core seasonals and all all these sort of one-offs that we've had. But the four core seasonals, um, we're spending a lot of time on that. Um, It's it's just and I would say like when we're looking at our even our taproom numbers, those are like Boston Lager seasonal, always in the top five. Okay. So we're definitely seeing that. We're seeing that Seasonal's growth has been double-digit growth for us as a company over the past year. Is
0: Oktoberfest still like kind of running that game?
3: It is. It's the shortest out, so if you look at sure, volume numbers. Yeah. But yeah, Oktoberfest is. Sure. Like, because it's very limited. It's, yeah. I know, it seems like it's out all year. But <laughs> it used to be eight weeks. It's still almost only eight weeks because it comes out now, and it's gone usually by the middle of October.
0: Full disclosure, I would always get the Oktoberfest Sam Adams press release when it was still spring. It'd be like mid-March and it'd be like, Guess what? Oktoberfest is coming out from Sam Adams. And I'd be like, God damn like let us get to summer first.
1: No, like, but that please. but that like, but that has to do with journalism and magazines. Yeah, like, it. yeah, like, the that is that is totally understandable. Which,
3: which I'm I'm not familiar with either of those things. I know you're not. So, uh,
1: know you're not. Um, I know you're not. I know you're
3: not. No, but, I have to tell you, my dad, I went to my visit my parents and he had 10 cases of Octoberfest in the garage, and I'm like, I didn't bring <laughs> this. Where did he get this? I'm like, Dad, where'd you get all this Oktoberfest? He goes, Oh. Well, I was at the liquor store and the guy told me these are the last 10 cases and he knows, you know, he knows you're a brewer there. And I'm like, so why yeah. did you buy them? You should have left them for the customers. He goes, what if you didn't bring me these and what would I do? Like, and I was like, okay, my dad is like. So your dad well, is drinking yeah, Oktoberfest yeah, year round. No, because I strict on codes in our house. <laughs> 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 Much to any of you, or friend's just, chagrin. You're just standing in the driveway just breaking bottles. Everything's going
1: down this. the drain. <laughs> He's like, Jim's going to write you a check for these things. Don't worry. We're taking these bottles back,
0: Sam. You guys have three Fest beers out this year.
1: There's only one question. Here's the question: Do you think that's enough? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there should have been more? Right. I feel
2: like that's not enough. I think there should have been more.
1: There you go. Right yeah. answer. Jennifer, is why there are you a not applauding?
3: Can you have too many Fest beers? I don't yeah. know.
0: You, so you guys have three. So you you've done the research, saying okay. This market that we're in can support three different Martins
2: and. Fest beers.
1: Fest beers, exactly. Yeah,
2: I, I definitely would not. Commonwealth. The Commonwealth
0: can yes. support. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, no, no. Yeah, we're, they're not all Mardens, though.
0: No, they're not all yeah. Um, But three. Was there a strategic thought about? what you were putting in
1: Absolutely not. Absolutely not. What if he you tells you there was, that? he is lying.
0: Uh, was this Jack just like saying, hey, this is what I did, and then you just sit down at your desk and, and just, say, just
2: put your head down sh- and <laughs> yes. say, oh, God. So Munich Fest, uh, Copper Legend is our largest season of the year. That's sure. our October. And Fest. it's a great beer. Um, it, thank yeah. you. We love that beer. Nice it is, um, yeah. yeah. Woo! Uh, Munich Fest has been a running joke for a long time. That is a beer that Jack brews for Jack. Um, that, his birthday is October 6th, and that's after
0: Oktoberfest ends. Yeah,
2: it is. But he would not tell anybody yeah. and brew Munich Fest every single year. Okay. And on the sales side of the org, like we finally got smart and like just built it into our plan that Munich Fest is going to exist. But that was after, like, five years of being surprised that Munich Fest was being packaged this week, and we needed to sell 50 barrels of it. Um,
1: Surprise!
2: And then, yeah. That's what happens after Babymaker. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, I mean, Fest beer number three for us this year is one Vine of the Steffen. coolest things we've ever done. We're yeah. collaborating with uh, Vine Stefaner, um, and we're, we're incredibly proud of this beer. We love the way it came out. This, this just got packaged. We're really, really excited about it. Um, but yeah, I will say to, it, it was not a hard sell to go to Fest beer number three yeah. on the Jack's Abbey staff. Yeah, we're, I don't know. Maybe we can do four next year. We'll see. That,
1: that's a, that's the answer.
0: You heard yeah, it here first, folks. All right, Adam, I want to ask you, though,
4: um, where do seasonals fit into... Well, hold on.
1: Does, does Adam make an October fest beer?
4: Well, Andy, according to you, we make one of everything. <laughs> you, you do,
1: but do you make a fest beer?
4: Uh, we do. We've actually got a new one coming out this year. Nice. Uh, more Morzen. It's an imperial fest beer. <laughs> yeah, we decided to up the ante a little bit, and we're going to 8% with it.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, I used to support the brewery, and now, <laughs> now I have to now i don't that that (laughs) was it i'm leaving
0: where do seasonals fit in for you for a while it was what's new what's rare what's local kind of thing and rare you know new and rare would fall into to, to, to your scope but um what do you find people want these days as far as seasonality It's weird.
4: For for breweries, our scale, we're sort of living in this in between land right now where it's not seasonals that are around for like a two, three, sometimes four month stretch. And it's not rare, like it's around for two, three, four week stretch. It's somewhere in between. For us, six to eight weeks seems to be the sweet spot. And so we're still using the term limited. And I feel like it's all semantics, right? Limited, seasonal, one off, rotating. But that's kind of where we've found success. So for us, we look at, you know, right now, this year, 2023, we've got five different, we call them limited releases, 2024 will be the same. Um, but seasonal for breweries at our scale still, unfortunately, seems to be a little bit of a dirty word um, where the Boston beers of the world can totally own it. Um, even Jack Sabby's doing a great job with it. But for us, seasonal, we still get some pushback. Um, so take that for what you will. Okay.
3: But I do think people are super excited when they come in. They're like, oh, they don't have that anymore. Oh, but look, they have this Fest lager or something. Like, I feel like that's what that's what drinkers want. It, as much as they know, like the Oktoberfest, we had that commercial with the guy hugging it, like it comes out. We know that that's our Oktoberfest drinker, but I find like I love going, being I mean, like, oh, it's out. I'm kind of bummed, I love that. But now they have this other one. And I think that's what we're seeing too, is people do want to do that. So the, the seasonal creep should be shorter for all of us. Yes. <laughs> indeed.
1: Also, can I congratulate American Brewers on Reinvigorating and frankly saving Oktoberfest beer. The Germans have, sorry, not to get this dead silent response. <laughs> no, no one is believing that.
0: Welcome to Hot Takes with Andy yeah. Crouch.
1: Ger- German breweries for a long time have made really trash Oktoberfest beers, especially the larger breweries. They, and they've, they've got their two different styles. They've got their Fest beer, they've got their Meritzen beer. And frankly, their Fest beer is just a slight derivative of maybe Helles or something along those ones. It's quite drinkable. It's a lovely beer. It's the beer you're going to drink at Oktoberfest. It's the beer that John's going to drink at Oktoberfest this year when he goes for his first time in his like fitted lederhosen. Uh, we will put a photo of John and his lederhosen in the show notes so you can watch that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's
3: you know, um, interesting that you said that because we would bring Oktoberfest over for hop selection, and a lot of the hop growers would tell us in Germany that this is what fest beer used to taste like. Yes, it, it had a it has in so much. My flavor. Day. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and they were it, 21. Right well, now
1: you try from a lot of the larger breweries, the Merzen style is it fr- frankly just feels like a, a version of their, uh, their fest beer with some sort of cinema, like lightly, slightly less dark cinema color, food coloring to it, and it, it's kind of garbagey. American craft brewers, you should thank them because they have largely saved the Oktoberfest style from the Germans who have kind of abandoned it. So, anyways, congratulations to all of you on this panel, including you know, especially Sam Adams for, for really kind of pioneering that. Woo! But uh, yeah, you're Bring not going to find pack. a lot of these breweries doing, you know, you see places like Paul or or Hackershore, they're doing their normal fest beer, and then the other ones that they're doing, are exported to the United States because there's no market for it at home. So congratulations to American crappers for saving Oktoberfest. Yeah. Woo!
0: Um, Adam, I want to go to you really fast at the end because we we build this as the state of beer in Massachusetts, uh, and have almost yep. talked about none of like, what's going on. I think on. it's
4: called the Commonwealth of Beer in the Massachusetts. Yes, <laughs> thank you,
1: thank you, John.
0: <laughs> the state of beer in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Um, It's the
1: Commonwealth of Beer and the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, John.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, fine. Good night, everybody. Um, (laughs) No, what does the next year look like in the legislative initiative, the legislative fight, the legislative, like, what you need to see done for your members that are not only, you know, your four walls, but everybody else's that you're representing? what comes next
4: yeah so the the big gorilla which we referred to earlier uh was franchise law reform which got done in 2021 thank you sam um, thank you sam adams Woo! for all of your help on that front as well but it doesn't yeah mean that franchise work, law <laughs> doesn't mean that our work is done uh we've got two legislative priorities that we're pushing forward this year the first is the ability to sell at farmers markets which right now is a privilege that wineries enjoy but breweries and even distilleries do not which is insane because consumers don't distinguish like that and there's really no logic behind it. So we're pushing for the ability to sell at farmers markets for beer to go. Um, The second priority that we're looking to get across the goal line this year uh, is brewpub self-distribution. Because in the state of Massachusetts right now, the brewpub class of license has to go through a distributor to get their product out to other accounts, which sounds kind of simple, right? Except it's insane when you've got a brewpub that is located right next to I don't know, call it a dive bar, and they want to sell their beer <laughs> to that dive bar, and they yeah. have to ship their beer 50 miles away to a wholesaler who then ships it 50 miles back next door to the place where it was brewed to sell it to said dive bar. doesn't make a lot of sense, so we're trying to, again, put some common sense legislation in place uh, and give that privilege to our brew pub members. Awesome. That's a noble
0: cause, and... We'd I like hope, to think so. No, I hope you guys keep fighting for it. Um, being mindful of time. I
2: hope we win. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> <laughs> Our experiences. Is- fighting forever. I hope we someday
1: win. Well, sure. All right. John, John doesn't give a shit. Like he's from New Jersey. I'm from New Jersey. They, got, they got enough problems we down there. Jesus Christ, Sam, New you want to talk about problems? Let's yeah. talk about New Jersey's beer laws. Let's absolutely. You got, we're up here. We're great in the Commonwealth. We could never do
0: this show in Jersey because this would count as an event.
1: <laughs> and you're also not allowed to have food anywhere near the brewery. If there is a baby who's trying to like snack on like a little thing, or they, be made. the steak comes or in and smacks it out of their hand.
0: Yeah,
1: New Jersey hates babies.
0: <laughs> you're so mean. You're so mean. You're your, you're state's, not your state's the you're worst. You're not wrong, um, but beer you're lies. so mean. All right. Being mindful of time, I've been asking the green door question on this show for quite a while now. Andy has answered, so I'm not going to get to him. But the, the premise is this. In the beginning of the pandemic, uh, my wife and I started rewatching the television show The Good Place. And in the final season of The Good Place, they introduced the concept of the green door. And characters walked through the green door and could be anywhere at any time doing whatever they wanted to be doing. So if we had a green door on our plane of existence, and this really fun, live audience podcast from Jeff (laughs) ended, and you could walk through That was was really good and really abrupt. Uh, But ended, and you could walk through a green door and be in any pub or any brewery anywhere in the world. Where would you want to go, who would you want to be with, and what would you like to be drinking? And Sam, I'm going to start with you, because we're in your house.
2: Sorry, anywhere, any time as well? Rob, with Rob Day
0: did zero favors for you setting you up for this <laughs> So
2: yeah um, yeah. you know as a relatively new father I, I, I totally selfishly I'd love to walk through that green door and walk right into this brewery in 20 years and be sharing a beer with my oh. daughters and teaching them how to run a brewery
0: wow, yeah. wow. smart all right jennifer
3: whoa I, I think i've hung out in a lot of cool places yeah. i like to be drinking in um a particular place comes to mind called the tilted wig in aberdeen scotland that um i just ran into on a rainy day there um but i loved it because not only did it have some great local scottish beers i know that seems weird but there were some great local scottish oh, yeah. beers but also some great whiskies. um and i we just spent hours there just holed up on a rainy day it just was like quintessential Scotland so I would love that um and then I would just love to be with my family um enjoying with them my kids and my husband and my parents and my nieces and nephew everybody and just enjoying time together
4: I love that <laughs> Adam so 10 points to each of you for sentimentality Hufflepuff uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm take a myself. different path <laughs> I need
0: 21. I just want to go to Applebee's for two for one shooters. I'm, I'm just happy to be here, folks. <laughs> Let's
4: go. Uh, if you if you couldn't tell from the palm trees on my shirt, my haircut, my flat brim hat, uh, I'd love to go back to like San Diego mid late 2000s when like the San Diego style West Coast IPA was really coming around, making a note for itself. Those were the beers that got me interested in beer. Those were the beers that opened my eyes. Stuff like Sculpin pre pre-acquisition pre like first acquisition uh stuff like green flash stuff like the first time oh, i had yeah. alpine oh, At alpine yeah. before they got acquired Man, the by green flash i was like oh, yeah. holy shit this is a beer yeah that's the kind of stuff that for me pulled back all the layers of the onion and told me that there's this really magical thing inside a beer that's what inspired me that's what i want to go back to you want to
0: answer this question again, Andy?
1: Uh, I do, but I, want to, I know we've asked you this before, and I know you have a pat answer, and I don't want to hear that pat answer again. I want you to give me... What's your second place?
0: Uh, my first answer... No, nobody
1: three. gives a shit about your first answer. I asked you about your second answer. <laughs> answer the question asked.
0: Uh, it's Blind Tiger in New York City... At Where
1: you el- go like twice a month.
0: At 11 a.m. At on a Tuesday.
1: Where I've been there with you. With
0: whoever is around. <laughs>
1: you you're For really. like
0: nine hours. But the caveat is the next morning I feel like I wasn't at Black yes. Tiger
1: on a team. Yes! There's the answer. That's yeah. spoken like where a true like father know. of a six-year-old who just looks at a beer and gets hung over. I know that feeling.
0: Because we have a great audience, I'm going to ask one last question, and it comes from Jennifer's bio where Jennifer said that she is passionate about brewing traditional and lost beer styles. Like Pina Colada IPA. Alright. <laughs> What is, what is a traditional and or lost beer style that deserves to be in, in the forefront these days? Andy
1: Crouch. Oh, this is to me? That's not fair. I thought Jennifer was going to get this. What is that? Uh, um, can I go the other way and say that like things like Grudziski should not exist on this planet? Nope. Oh! No. Oh, hot take. Sorry, Sam Handler. I'm sorry that it's 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 trash sour hot dog water, but like it is, folks. So if you've been drinking it, it's you've not, been people have not. been stealing your money. Camp, um,
0: Campfire was a beer that Sam Adams did years ago. That was a wonderful, wonderful Rauk beer, and that they're never going to bring back because it didn't sell at all in the mix
1: pack. Um, no, what do you want? Old what traditional you, styles that are not being brewed. Yeah. You know, frankly, like, how about just, you know, ones like Dunkelweizen? All right. Yeah, you know, we, you know, we, we see that on occasion around it, but I think that is the perfect summer beer. I know perfect. it's not antique or, like, gone uh, from... That's fine. But I, I think
2: Dunkelweizen be, might be All nice. All
0: right. You've given Sam a chance to think about his answer now. <laughs> Sam Handler.
2: Yeah, I mean, just give me more Pilsner and I'm happy. Can that be a traditional style that I want more of? You no know one's
4: brewing? All right. Adam? <laughs> All right, so old traditional style that nobody makes anymore? Jennifer those, says she's
0: passionate about brewing traditional and lost beer styles. I'm not, oh,
3: sure. I'm not sure I said styles. that tonight, but okay.
4: Lost beer styles? Okay. West Coast IPA. <laughs> oh. That is... That
1: is. Yep, yeah, that's the right answer.
3: Jennifer,
0: what do you want to bring back?
3: Oof. I mean, I do like the double box. I think there could be more double box in the world. That was, yeah. To me, that's one of the best beers we've ever made. Um... I like, I mean, I, I really got inspired by, like, the Finnish sati style, and we yeah. actually made it traditional with the juniper and the branches, and I remember Dean was like, we're putting what in here? And I was like, no, we have to make it the traditional way. So part of that is the history of it, too. Like, yeah. I liked it, too, when I started brewing. Women made that beer, so I like, I like the whole history. I'm a history geek, so I like bringing it all together. So I think that's a, that's a style, and, and those types of styles that are just not as popular. But I would agree things like... The double bach, the vice beer. I, a lot of people are making vice beer. Yeah. yeah. Are they vice beers or not? Because if you've had them in Germany, they're great. They're so not. I just think there's a lot of styles that are very old traditional styles. I thought you were going to
0: say oyster stout, and
3: <laughs> I do like oyster stout. I but know. All the brewers in the UK were like, "That's not even a real thing. Like, you know, it. You should." And Jim told me, "Just, just make a good stout and pair it." I'm like, "Oh no, dude, we're making it with stout. We're making
0: so. an oyster stout. <laughs> Awesome. All right. That's going to wrap us here at Jack's Abbey for our state of beer in Massachusetts conversation. Kind of.
1: Thank you. State
0: of beer in Massachusetts. State as the it's fine. Uh, I want to thank our, our guests, everybody here who's been hanging out, the entire team at Jack's Abbey, but especially Kate Preston and Rob Day. Art, thank you as well. Uh, where should we go next? You should tell me. You can email me at John Hall. It's John J O H N H O L L at allaboutbeer.com, or you can tell me on X, which is apparently now a thing, at John underscore Hall. <laughs>
1: I'm pointing at. <laughs> I've, Andy never, I've never, I've never like seen Andy's you like, be older <laughs> there, but I love, I love, I love you, man. I love you, like the social media thing. Yeah. Um, you blew your last line.
0: No, that's your line. That's it, also how you can de- get in touch with questions, comments, and guest suggestions.
1: Okay, you've been walking over my lines all day. But a reminder to visit allaboutbeer.com. You can check out the podcast page, the merch page, which John has told me to change to the uh, shop, shop page. The shop yeah, page. Yeah, because he thinks that the kids would prefer that. I think I understand what merch you is. You merch fine. or shop? Mer-
0: shop. Ah, oh. Then buy it
1: well that was totally illuminating thank you guys um and you can read great new content as well as the archives going back to 1979 which is 45 years before Adam was born (laughs) follow all about beer on social media at all about beer I guess, and, uh, and if you're interested in supporting journalism in the beer space, which we frankly hope you are, because there are too few places uh, doing beer journalism these days, That's we true. Ha- you know, we've lost a lot of uh, you know, good, good folks over the years, and journalism is not going through a good time, so if you have uh, a little time and pull out your phone to actually give us a little None bit of a couple of bucks at allbodbeer.com, uh, or sorry, patreon.com slash allaboutbeer, nailed it, um, <laughs> We would really appreciate it. All of that, all of that money goes to support uh, creators, editors writers especially the writers frankly it doesn't go to my pocket i'll tell you that much that's um, also true. And, which is just fine with us uh but we're very excited about that and you can also email us at info at hey
0: don't forget all about beer has a podcast channel now you can search and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice steal this beer has new episodes every monday and the byo nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month as for this particular show you guys can't hear it right now but maybe whoever does the music jeff quinn designed our logo
1: also why are we promoting the byo nano podcast and steal this beer on this podcast but i'm gonna we're gonna find out about that later anyways i'm andy crouch hey i'm john hall new episodes
0: release every wednesday (laughs) and
1: and this will be the last time i'm (laughs) co-hosting
0: but next week i'll be back to drink beer and to think beer thanks everybody
1: Hey, I
4: turn 22 in a month, you coming?
3: (laughs) I'm there, I'm there. I'm gonna blow your mind with new kinds of beer.